Take it back from the beginning When I left you there Fire was in Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing so, thank you, and tell your friends to do so as well. Besides NHTE.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at NHTE.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't despair if you don't see your favorite one on there. Look for this show almost anywhere you get podcasts. Today, I am joined on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from New York by a singer, songwriter, musician, and filmmaker who is making a long overdue return to this show, having been a guest way back on episode 30 in August 2014. He is the creator of Toon Trek, a travel and music show that has aired on PBS. He also performs with the band OAR, although this coming Saturday, November 2nd, he will be doing a solo show in Ohio. We will also talk about his house trek events. You've been hearing a song of his called Star. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Michael Paris. It's good to be back, Bruce. It's been a long time. Super excited to be talking to you again. No doubt. No doubt. Welcome back. It's been too long, my friend certainly has. Let's start off by having you tell the listeners all about that song of yours that we were just playing called Star. Star. Yes, that that is that is a song that is about that person in your life who has kind of forgotten their shine, you know, for, forgotten their value to mm. themselves, to the people around them and it's a song that I, I sing to inspire people to remember that, you know, we all have that that spark, no matter how down or depressed or feeling lonely one can get, that 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 spark of life is always there with all of us and that we all have goodness in us and and it, it, it just sort of came out of thinking about that and that you know, the melodies and things they they come out at random times for me when I'm when I'm walking or taking a shower or doing yoga and it just sort of uh roller coastered into you know you know that you're a star and and it features again you know some of my guitar playing my my style but it's mainly it's mainly a keyboard song I'm mainly a piano player that's what I started out doing what a cool message what a cool story I I, I love that idea that's thank that's, you yeah it's a, it it's one of those, you know, we need more songs with those kind of messages type thing. I agree. I agree. I, I, you know, as a writer, you get into sort of phases. And I was realizing that I was I was writing songs that were kind of dark and, mm. um, you know, in, in minor keys. And and I, I forced myself. I was like, you know what? I need to start. I need to write some happier songs, mm-hmm. even though maybe you're talking about um, a subject that can be depressing um but i wanted to have an uplifting feel to it and it kind of got me in a, a mode of i want to write more of these positive feel good songs not that i'm never going to write sort of dark stuff or or things that can be you know emotionally heavy but it, it was uh it was a, it was a good sort of return to writing happy i think so is it safe me. to say there's a lot of major chords in star there are there are major chords the verse actually starts off minor because it's sort of it, it's talking about times where this darkness and this mm. this frustration uh, was prevalent in, in in this person or in people in general and then the chorus sort of reminds us of of happiness and goodness in life okay okay yeah well as we wrap up october you are getting ready for a busy last two months of 2019 it looks like as i mentioned in the intro you're doing a solo show this Saturday, November 2nd in Ohio, and then OAR has eight shows in November and at least eight more in December. 
That's correct. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm involved for three weeks before the OER tour goes out in a sort of, it's my first Toon Trek tour. It, it's, it's, I guess it's technically a house Trek tour, which we can talk about as well, as far as what that word means. But it's the first time that I sort of went out and just went straight for three weeks of going to three different cities and performing three intimate house concert vibe shows and filming at three historic landmarks. Uh, and yeah, I'm super excited about it. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. so you're, I want to say you're enjoying your time home in New York right now, but I don't know. It could also be, I'm, I'm basically just doing laundry, doing this interview, paying bills and, <laughs> and going back out. <laughs> it's true. Right. Right. You know, basically for me, it was, setting up all the gear in my studio for the shows to make sure that all my cables and all my routing is good and figuring out little glitches and then and then sort of using uh, velcro to have all the cabling nice and neat that's that's kind of what my days are now and and finishing writing the the three songs for the upcoming tune trek uh, filmings yeah there's a lot of just it's prepping but i'll tell you it's just it's so joyful and, and and happy you know it's not it's not work it's work but you know i'm working towards getting ready to go out and and pursue and do something that that i created yeah, that's that's yeah. 100% mine you yeah know? yeah nicely said it's it's a good feeling i can i can feel it in your voice i i hear I hear the joy. So, oh yeah, it's, it's you know to say it's a labor of love is is kind of an understatement because it's so cliched, but it's obviously true. It it is, you know, same thing. Just about about talking with you about it and and seeing where where things are five years later, I think is going to be interesting for you to discover as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm curious though, how do you do your scheduling, being that? you do so much work on your own away from OAR. What I mean is, does the OAR schedule take precedent first and foremost above everything else? And maybe you look at, say, a two-month block and go, okay, so all these dates are available to me to do whatever I want, whatever I need, and then you start scheduling stuff in? Or, or what does all that look like? Because I guess another question I have is, does OAR ever all of a sudden add in a show on short notice and maybe you've already got something booked for that date? So how do you do all that? How do you, how do you manage all that time? Yeah, it can be very, very tricky, very difficult. There's, there's always that chance that the band is going to, is going to have something come to the table and, and that they want as a full band vibe, you know, the band will, the band will go off sometimes and do broken down things, you know, sometimes two of them or three of them, mm -hmm. or sometimes it'll, it'll go back and they'll do like a show with just five of them and with that I'm not needed at for whatever reason. But it's, it's tricky. It's been, you know, 14 years of sort of trying to figure out how do I fit in? How do I slot in my solo stuff that I want to do? Um, in between touring. And, and so one of the things I learned was, well, let me schedule stuff while I'm on tour with the band. Ah. Let me find things to do where I know that I've got this day off in this town and these two days off in that city. Wow. And let me let me try and fill those dates with solo things. And that that worked for a while. And then it also kind of got crazy and manic. I was doing after parties with michael pears where i would go play at like a smaller room at house of blues or something after the oar show oh my gosh those days were just exhausting uh rewarding but exhausting and then i tried doing happy hour with mp where i would find a like a, like a bar or a place that had a small stage in walking distance to the oar venue hmm. and i would do like a six o'clock before the show hang and and for that, I was also doing all my multimedia stuff. I had rear projection screen with me, and I had um, tracks that I was sometimes yeah. playing to. I had the live live video feeds of me performing. Yeah, I've seen was, you do that show. Yeah, it was it was awesome again, and it was a real proof of concept for me that I can do this. I can integrate visuals into my solo show. But again, it was it's labor intensive. It was exhausting and crazy. So. There, there. It's, it's tricky. It's, I've, I, I have 
a couple years ago booked the only time it happened where I, I booked a one of these house track events and then the band hit me up and was like oh we got this we got this big thing and we really need you on it and so I had to I had to move things around and so so yes I guess the answer to your question is that you know 99.9 percent .9 of the time the band is the priority there will be and there there you know there could be occasions and that I guess I've just gotten lucky when it's come up where there's something that I, I really need to be on I either was able to like I said switch it a week later my personal thing or I was just available so I, I really try to get as much information from the guys you know moving forward if I know in two months I've got three weeks of available before I really start booking my stuff and scheduling stuff. I gotcha. check in with them right into the last minute. I'm like, gotcha. just, just confirming there's nothing going on for these three weeks. Just confirming is confirming, which still, again, isn't a hundred percent. Sure. But it's, it's been an interesting situation. It's, it's, it's a good situation to be in where I've got this amazing band that I've been playing with for all these years. And I, and I want to, I, I enjoy playing with them. It's, it's only gotten more enjoyable over the years. So, I, you know, why wouldn't I want to be available for every possible show yeah. that comes up? I do. But then again, I also want to be pursuing my solo stuff. So it's, it, yeah. Listeners, for those of you who are up and comers and who listen to this show every week to learn from the guests, this is a wonderful teaching moment that Michael is delivering right here because as recently as last week with Audra McLaughlin, you know, we, we talk about time management a lot. I mean, we're all faced with it. And I have to be the king of time management with doing this show, with getting episodes out on time, with running Now Hear This, the company. And you hear it from the guests every week. Audra McLaughlin was saying last week about being a one-person show and all the different things that she's juggling and how she finally got to a point where she said, like, okay, this day I'm going to set aside this week to do all my YouTube videos. And this day this week I'm going to set aside to do all my et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, one thing, Michael, that you talked about in there that it sounds like you sounds like you don't do the, the happy hours anymore, but I just wanted to, for the sake of those up-and-comers, just go back and readdress it, which is, so I take it that even something like that, you made sure you cleared with them first, right? Like, hey, I got this idea. I want to just do these happy hours. Is that cool as long as I'm back here in time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they knew exactly what was going on. I, I definitely, while, while I'm on tour, you know, I'm representing the band. Um, I mean, I represent the band all, all the time, but, but even more so when you, when you're, when you're on tour, when you're on the road, you know, you are a representative of that organization. So they, they need to know what's going on and I got the okay to do it. And, you know, you get the go ahead on your verbiage and your wording and how you're going to be promoting things mm. while you're on the road. Um, as part of an organization, if you're trying to do solo stuff, I was, you know, for the first couple of years, I was really like, I don't want to try and, and figure this out. I'm just, you know, I'm 100 percent just focused on figuring out how do I fit into these, you know, the this musical vocabulary that's already existed with these guys for so many years. That was my focus. I wasn't even thinking or, or really caring about promoting any of my solo stuff at that time. You know, it was really like. I got to figure out how, how am I the connective tissue here, you know, mm -hmm. musically and what am I playing on all these songs and mm. how am I uplifting this music? You know, that's why I'm there is to try and take it to the next level a little bit, you know, and it wasn't until I felt comfortable with that, that I really started feeling like, all right, let me try and figure out how I can work in some of my solo stuff here. I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Looking back now on what you just described, was that the right thing to do, or is it, no, you know what, Bruce, I, I wish I would have started putting more emphasis on solo Michael Paris sooner? I think, uh, it's this is just me, but I think there's times where I need to hyper-focus on one thing, and it's it's partly just sort of how I learn and how I, how I feel comfortable with something, and it, it the the length of that hyper focus varies depending on what I'm involved with. It's the same thing when I was doing the show Stomp. I hadn't even seen the show before I was cast in it. Wow. And then I went and watched it and I, I was just blown away and was saying to myself, There's no way that I can learn this show. This is impossible. <laughs> There's no way. So I hyper focused on that show for 
again, it was probably two or three years before I even entertained the thought of, well, okay, I'm in New York City. I mean, and I'm, I've been always writing music, and why don't I just start trying to play some shows on off days? Or, mm. And I think for me, that's how it works best. And so, so yes, I still would have made that same decision with the OAR guys in, okay. in hyper-focusing on their music. I mean, when I came in to that organization – you know, Jerry sent me, the sax player sent me, it was probably like nine CDs Whoa. of music to sort of start working on and learning. And I was Whoa. like, what is going on? This is like hundreds <laughs> of songs. And so it was, you know, it wasn't until even, even going on like five years, six years into the organization, the band was still putting a song on the set list that I'd never played before. Wow. And maybe I had spoken to you about this five years ago also, but it was, it was crazy. So uh, it, again, it was, it was the same thing, and yes, I am. I, I do stand by that decision of, of waiting to sort of start pursuing yeah, the Michael yeah. Paris solo stuff. And I also, I also wanted to get to know the guys better. I wanted to yep. see how they would feel about that. Me being on the road, but also pushing what I do, and they, they celebrated and they're very supportive. Wonderful. I, I yeah. expected you to say all that, but I, it still That's merited okay. hearing it from you. Anyways, I'm tempted to say that I saw a Toon Trek video where I'm watching it and I'm going up. Oh, I can see the stomp background coming out in him right now. So so instead, let's just start diving into the Toon Trek stuff because I know that's front and center with you these days. So first, though, just set some background here. Tell the listeners what Toon Trek consists of, including some of the locations that you have filmed at. Good question. Toon Trek is... I guess I like to call it a history through music show. And it consists of me finding off the beaten path, historic landmarks. And it started as something I was doing, like I said earlier, while I was on tour with the band, taking advantage of traveling all over the country and all over the world. And I got this idea of, combining my love my passion obviously of music and travel and history and architecture not that i was a huge history fan say in like high school i i you know i, I definitely you know it's all about the teachers and how they inspire you but i always loved the feeling of going into an old place and all the stories that the walls and the floor and the ceilings have absorbed over the time and, yeah. and, and the idea of going into these places and singing and performing and celebrating them was something that I was trying to get a grasp on. How do I tell these stories in my way, in a unique, creative fashion, which has always been a drive for me, even as a kid, was just, I want to do things my way. I want to figure out how to do something different and, and unique. Uh, for wherever that comes from, I don't know. And so I started experimenting with this idea and, you know, I would get to my car by my house and, and just say, I'm just going to go to the park today with my guitar and just play three or four songs. But maybe I'm telling the story of the park and the mm. history of the park. And so I just, and what kind of camera angles am I doing and how am I shooting this and what gear am I using? How am I recording the music and the audio? That's at the core of this project tune track tune is the first word of, the title and it's it's really driven by music and, it, and it's a way for me to get people to hear my original stuff in sort of a subtle way you know not hitting them over the head necessarily with here's my new song it's check out this creative piece i've done and it's entertaining and you'll learn something and hopefully it'll inspire you as well to think a little differently about the world and, and again like stop really motivated me and inspired me to sort of look at the world in a different way and to pursue mm. those ideas, pursue those crazy dreams that you might have, but let's pursue those things and see if you can and bring them to fruition. And, and maybe one of them is amazing and, and, and works fantastic. And so it's been an experiment for me. It's been an evolution over the past seven years with this tune Trek idea. And you know, I, I was also drawing from people and shows that have inspired me as well over the years. You know, um, Anthony Bourdain's show and, and his just attitude and how he would combine all these different elements in his travels. And Les Stroud from Survivor Man, how he would 
compose all his own shots. And it was him out there by himself. And he would he figured out how to do this, you know, and to still make it engaging and cohesive. And he would play harmonica every now and then, you know, and he was involved musically with the show and, you know, live at Daryl Hall's house, you know. Yeah, like yeah. Another, you know, creative, unique take on not just focusing on the music, but you also sit around the table with him and he would have a chef come in. And so it, was, it also became about food and, exactly. and conversation exactly. over, a, over a meal, you know? And I was like, that's taking different elements and making them into this, this one cohesive idea. So I was really interested in figuring that out. And I think that I've figured it out for me now, you know, I'm, I'm going on 60 episodes that I've filmed. Now, mind you, I haven't edited all of these episodes because I'm still pretty much doing everything by myself. And we're talking about time management and I haven't yeah. quite figured out time <laughs> management yet on, on how to film and edit. Like you, I don't, you, I'm so impressed that you have stayed on track like every week and you know, you get it out and you do it. And, and I'm, I'm still, I have, it, it's, it's like, I have so many great songs and so many exciting locations that I've been to that I want to share with people. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now is probably the episode that I, yeah, that I sent you was the sort of quote unquote pilot or proof of concept that yeah, I'm yeah. shopping around. I'm finally, I'm, I'm feel, uh, like, this is the best that I can do by myself with a little bit of help with color correction and audio mixing. So let me get some feedback. Let me see how people are responding to yeah. it. Well, here's the thing that I've always liked about Toontrek, and you just did a great job of describing it, is there's so, 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 so many people creating original music out there, and everybody is using all of the same vehicles, all the same tools, and sending up all the same prayers that someone will notice them, and they'll notice their song, and they'll get the play on Spotify, they'll get the download on iTunes, and instead, you're saying, okay, well, what if I kind of step over here, though, and I not only say... It's visual, but it's not because right away people would say, well, I do videos too. I post covers. I post originals on YouTube. That's not what this is. So I love that I've... you've gone way off the path and said, I'm going to give you music and I'm going to give you visuals, but I'm going to tell a story and you're going to learn something from it. And it just looks so different from anything that people are putting up that it really helps it stand out. Yeah. You started to mention about something that listeners, I'm going to ask Michael about a lot more of the aspects of Toontrek. And for me, I started to hear him say this. I immediately think of the importance of the audio in videos. So for example, if you're uploading to YouTube regularly, listeners, if you're doing the videos I just referred to, how is the sound on your posts? My go-to is the Tascam DR10 series for my audio for video. If you go on my speakerbrucew.com website, scenes two, three, and four of that have audio captured from that device. It's something that singer, songwriter, guitar player Biebs talked about back on episode 230 of this show that she uses as well. Tascam has all kinds of audio recording solutions for the home hobbyist, DIYer to independent artists, and right on up to the touring pros. Check out all their gear at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. So Michael, I want to make sure people are understanding what you just said. You're starring in Toontrek, you're filming it, you're editing it, you're doing all of this by yourself. So can you say how long it takes to put together one entire episode or is it it's just too fragmented the stages at which you produce it? Oh, I can yeah, I can definitely say that. I mean, it's progressed to 2 days of filming. And again, you know, it's also the advancing and the phone calls and the emails to find the yeah. location. So you factor that in there as well, maybe a day of research. 2 days of filming one of which is mainly exterior shots, uh, like a photo walk and approach shots. And then the second day is generally the tour with the historian and searching for these locations to perform the song and to record the song. And, and oftentimes, like you mentioned earlier, you know, I'm, I'm looking not only for a place to play the guitar and, and sing. And if there's a piano there, sometimes I'll find out if there's an historic a vintage piano and 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 i'll know that before going in so that 
okay, I'm going to write this song on piano. And that's, I'm not moving the piano, obviously. It's an old Chickering and Sons piano, and that's going to stay where it is. So I got to work around that. So, yeah, so we're talking about three days so far. And then the quickest that, you know, I've edited in episodes, again, hyper-focused, where I'm just in the studio and nothing else matters in the world. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to probably edit um, maybe in four days. So, wow. you know, we're talking about seven days wow. of full work from research, booking, filming, and then sort of sorting through all the video editing per episode. I would say I could probably, yeah, I could do a week per episode if there was nothing else going on in my yeah. life. Yeah. Well, one thing that I saw as I was watching, and I always tell myself, if I have this question, then someone in the listening audience does too. And listeners, you know that a lot of times in this show, I've talked with guests about getting permission to shoot their music videos at certain locations. So Michael, when you're talking to these places about what you want to come in and do, have you ever run into someone that says, well, wait a minute, I don't like the idea. We don't want you performing inside our place. I have. It's been rare. Hmm. For for this last round, I actually did have a gentleman who just didn't feel comfortable with this idea. Mm-hmm. Even though I explained to him that, listen, I've, I, I'm a low, small footprint. You know, it's I'm not coming in with this 10-person film crew yeah. where we're going to be disrupting everything and potentially knocking things over. And, you know, it's just me. And it's just, us. it's almost as if I'm just someone coming around and taking a tour, just like anybody else. You know, I just happen to be holding a camera in my hand and have, mm-hmm. and we have a couple labs that are mic'd up for us. Um, so it's been very rare. Most of the time, these people are just so happy that mm-hmm. I want to come in and, and help tell the story of this place that they're passionate about and that usually they're getting, they're on the phone, you know, asking, for, for help in keeping these places alive. And then they get a phone call from me where uh, I want to come and help tell your story. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to do that through music. And, and there's been times where people have said afterwards, like that was, you just brightened up my day because I could hear you singing from the office upstairs. Uh, and it was just the most beautiful, wonderful wow. escape, wow. escape from the norm for us. And so it's been really a really rewarding experience on that level as well, that I'm also sort of, you know, brightening up the day of, of these historians, these docets that normally are, are just like, you know, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to keep these places alive and keep these places going. And so it, yeah, it's, it, again, it was maybe 2% of the people I speak to are like, Hmm, nah, we're not interested. Yeah. They probably envision you, like you said, coming in with a huge crew, marking up their hardwood floors, you know, exactly. potentially damaging something. Before I forget, what is some of the hardware that you're using? What kind of camera are you using? What are you using for software when you do go back and start editing the video, that type of stuff? That's a good question. That's also been an evolution over mm. these past seven years and me experimenting. And, and it's all it's all like you with, with Tascam. It's been, it's been mainly about partnerships. Mm-hmm. And that's that's allowed me to really be able to do this freely and not really go deep in the hole of, of my pocket as far as producing and creating these things. Nice. So, you know, I started, I started shooting on Pentax cameras and they were supportive. And then I switched to Canon and Canon actually did a um, tune Trek documentary um, some years back. And I still use a, a Canon or two piece of gear, and now I'm using Sony for my DSLRs. The A7R2 I still have, and I, and, and I love that. And what is the stick that you use to hold the camera? It's just a glorified selfie stick when I'm doing the, the handheld uh, okay. stuff during the okay. tour. Yeah, yeah. And I have a bunch of tripods. Um, uh, Tiffin, Davison, and uh, Sanford has um, donated a bunch of stuff. For audio, I've always used the Zoom H4n. I just I just love it, and I just upgraded. Actually, I'm looking at the box right now to the Zoom H6, <laughs> which gives me six inputs as opposed to four. And I also have an extension 
that I got, which gives me eight inputs. Wow. So now when I'm, I'm starting to have guests, uh, guest artists be a part of these tune trick episodes. So mm-hmm. I was realizing that I, I, I didn't have enough inputs for the, all the wireless labs that I needed. Uh. So I made that upgrade. And then I'm all about the, the Adobe software. I love the Adobe Creative Cloud. So I'm, I'm editing in Adobe Premiere a little, little bit in After Effects. I'm still just, you know, touching the tip of the iceberg as far as what these programs can do. Yeah. But as far as me getting them to where I, I feel good about them, uh, the Adobe has been fantastic. They've been supportive of, of ToonTrek as well. And then I'm still I'm still working audio and Pro Tools. Uh, that's just the most okay. comfortable okay. for me. That's the program that I've worked with the longest, and I can sort of navigate fairly quickly through that and and get everything looking good and sounding good. So, in terms of the locations, what do you look for? Because if somebody emailed you and said, "Hey, I saw Truck, You should go and film an episode at insert location here." I know you would just pull the place up on the internet and start looking at it, but how do you know right away that nah, nah, that's 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 not the kind of place I'm looking for? What what are the parameters that you're trying to have all the boxes checked when you pick a place to go do a, a episode at? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I'm pretty open to every place. There's certain, like you said, there are certain parameters. I I, I like more the the living museum type of places as opposed to an historic landmark that's sort of set up as like a showcase where all the rooms are sort of having displays and Mm. things. I I like as much authentic, um, you know, furniture and and how, how it looks to how it would have looked two or 300 years ago. Those are the places that I'm more interested in, that I gravitate more towards. And obviously it's gotta be a place that I can have some control over the, the sound and the environment and how loud is it. Yeah. I'm not gonna go to film at a place where there's a waterfall right next door or yeah. I'm right next to an airport. Although I did, I did film at the, the um, Carolinas Aviation Museum, which <laughs> part of it part of it is right on the tarmac, Charlotte Douglas Airport. But and and so in that case, it was one of those challenges where I was like, okay, I'm going to time each of my performance takes, hopefully, between an airplane landing or taking off, wow. when it's going to be the quietest. Wow. And, and so that was kind of fun and and challenging. But yes, for the for the most part. I'm also looking for, you know, unique places and places that maybe people have never heard of. Mm-hmm. Not the mm-hmm. not the most popular place. Not a, a, as cool as going to the Paul Revere House. I'm sure would be in Boston. I chose to go to the Pierce Hitchborn House, which sits right on the same courtyard, right across the courtyard mm. that most people don't even know about. Most people walk walk by this structure, and it's a beautiful old brick house from the early 1700s. You know, and then it's also have I filmed at a place like this before? I'm I'm filming uh, at my first gold mine. Wow! Uh, just just outside of Charlotte, and that was one of those things that's been on my list. Of, <laughs> I want to get into a mine. I think that would be really fun and interesting, and how it would sound me singing in these tunnels. You know, yeah, and yeah. and so I'm I'm f- filming at the Reed Gold Mine as part of this Tune Trek tour, which which apparently is is the first documented discovery of gold in the United States, which I didn't know. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment, where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if you're being interviewed and it's not a live show, before you start, ask when it will be released. That will play a big part in determining what you might or might not talk about in terms of topics that are time-sensitive. You don't want to be talking about an upcoming performance in a few days if the interview isn't coming out until well after that is going to have happened. Make sure you understand the schedule so you can maximize the opportunity for whatever you have that you want to promote. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? 
Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Well, for the listeners who are kind of taking this all in and, and are up and comers, and you know, everybody is doing multiple things these days. I think it was either episode eight or episode 56 when Dominic Pages said that we're in a new economy. And so everybody who comes on this show is doing more than one thing. Even the people that I've had on this show who are, you know, Eva Gardner, who's the bass player for Pink or people of that stature, nobody's doing just one thing. So in the case of Toontrek, is there a business strategy here above and beyond, I just want to have a show on TV or a, you know, a show on TV that I can make money from? Meaning, are you hoping for Toontrek to bring other opportunities? And if so, what other opportunities are you hoping it'll bring you? Or is it a case of, no, I just want to have a show on TV and hopefully make money from it? Yeah, I mean, I there's so many facets for this show that that excite me to seeing how how much of this I can implement. Yes, getting some sort of distribution for the show is what I'm currently focused on right now. It's like I said, it's been seven years, and I think I've gotten it to the place where it's ready. It wasn't it wasn't ready five years ago, four years ago. So finding a home for it, whether it's on a streaming service or it's on the History Channel or Travel Network, one of those things is definitely high priority right now. But tied into this whole thing, and I, and I agree with you, like diversity as a creative person, whether you're a, a musician or a writer or it doesn't matter, has been something that I've certainly embraced over the years, looking at all the different ways that you can be successful and generate income and revenue. You know, I... I've even started doing creative product videos for companies mm. like Bose and Epson and Galaxy Audio where I test out, you know, you see those unboxing videos yep. and they're all they're all very similar. And I and I looked at that again as as a unique opportunity for me to be creative for these companies and it's been it's been really fun. They'll send me a new product and I'll go have sort of like a Toon Trek adventure with this product, testing it, trying it in unique situations, mm. which isn't something that I thought about before as a, I want to be a musician. I want to be, I want to graduate college and get a record deal. You know, that was in yeah. my brain. Yeah. That was my path. That yeah. was the only thing I wanted to do. And obviously that has changed and evolved over the years. But Toontrek is more than like, it's more than just the video. It's obviously it's the song too. So the song is going to be released as its own entity. And uh. ideally, like, you know, Songs of Toontrek season one, you'll be able to get all the songs from wow. each season wow. in a collection. I like it. And it's it's also, you know, I'm a photographer, too. I started I got my first camera when I was nine. And that's a big part of this project, too, is how much I love being behind the lens and capturing imagery and now video um, in that format. So I make these sort of landmark prints from mm. each of these locations that I've visited that are also going to be available for people to appreciate and to to see these these images that I've captured from each of these adventures. You know, it's obviously, you know, I want to have merchandise for Toon Trek. I, I yeah. want I also want to create an education package. I think that's going to be really mm. important to this whole thing where learning institutions can have this little packet that is highlighting historic place that's in their town wherever that school is or schools brilliant it's in their city and they can have this little experience of learning about this place hearing the song and then maybe taking if schools still do field trips i don't even know but you know <laughs> taking the kids to visit this place where michael paris we just watched his tune check we're gonna go see this this cool historic landmark that we didn't yeah. even know was yeah. in our town so brilliant. i think education is a really exciting part of this yeah i love it I love it. My graphic designer, he's amazing, Adam Thompson. He, you know, we talked about doing little short comic strips for each episode mm. and then even progressing that into a cartoon um, or a comic book, maybe. You know, maybe it's like season one, Toon Trek, the comic book. He's just, his visual ideas are, are just amazing. Wow. wow. So I want to, you know, there's. 
there's a lot of things. I want yeah. to, I want to create the Tune Trek app. I want to integrate augmented reality so that people can visit these locations that I've visited and through the Tune Trek app experience aspects of the episode while they're there Outstanding. at these locations Outstanding. somehow. Great vision. So, Great vision. Yeah, I have listen, that's all I do is, <laughs> is is think and come up with ideas and specifically for Tune Trek. I want to have like a Tune Trek quote unquote coffee table book, you know, mm -hmm. where yeah, you see, see images, that. you read a little bit about each of those locations, you know, and then you flip the page and it's now it's the next spot. Yep. So I, I yep. there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting ideas I have and whether I can implement them all, who knows? But I think it definitely starts with trying to find an outlet, a home. If it's YouTube and it's just my Toon Trek channel on YouTube, then that's fine. I've been holding off to see where, what I can get accomplished with this pilot and sort of shopping sure, it around and sure. what kind of feedback. And I'm getting great feedback and I'm having some really interesting conversations that you know I don't really like talking about yeah. until I yep. see what, what comes of them. Yep. But awesome. we're, we're, it's an interesting, exciting time for this project Good. where I'm actually putting in in front of people's eyes that could that could make a decision and help get it someplace good let's bring house trek into the conversation now just tell the listeners a little bit more about what that is different from what you've been describing the locations that you've already filmed at absolutely yeah house trek was this idea that came out of friends that i have that go and do these house concerts and this this sort of going back to how it used to be back in the you know 1700s the 1800s where one of the ways that people would hear music was you go over to this composer's place and everyone would sit around and listen to them play some of their new stuff you know and it was 100% focused like like there's venues out there that are focused on just being a listening room and everybody's got to be quiet and Yep. This is about yep. the music and the performance. And obviously, as musicians, that those are our ideal situations. We don't have to want to compete with people drunk and, and yelling and having loud conversations, yeah. which I've done also. So I decided that I wanted to try this hybrid, this combine this intimate house concert with the filming of a tune track. So I, I go to a city, a host brings me in and we have a little agreement, you know, and we, uh, we decide on a date, and they start inviting their friends. It's maybe 40, 50 people to their home. And I'll do this intimate house concert. Sometimes it's just myself. Sometimes I'll have a guest with me. And then the host also gets to help find the filming location. So in the case of this, this Charlotte area one, the woman, the first thing she said to me was how cool it would be to film at the Reed Gold Mine. And I was like, all right, well, that's at the top of my list of places to look for. So... <laughs> She helped, she helped me find that place and she gets to come to a day of filming ah. and, and witness the process and, and have a cameo in it. And maybe I hand her a, a light to hold and give her a little simple instruction mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. just sort of where to aim it. And mm -hmm. so they get, they get this connection of being involved with this creation of this project. And then they also get to celebrate music and having their friends and family over and, and perform. And, very you know, cool. we have a little, a little party and yeah, then very cool. move on to the next. So that's, that's like house it. track. It's, like it was it. this trying to combine that idea and come up with a word that's still sort of related to tune track. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from New York by singer, songwriter, musician, and filmmaker, Michael Paris. Visit his official website at michaelparis.com. I will put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you're there, do make sure to also go over to his social media. There are links on his website for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Also check out the website for his show, which is toontrek.org. And then that has its own social media channels too. Michael's original music is streaming on Spotify, so do follow him on there, but help him out by purchasing downloads of it from iTunes. Since I am a one-person operation doing this all on my own and having to take on all the expenses that go with doing a new episode every week for five and a half years, I do appreciate whatever support listeners can give. If you feel I'm delivering you value, consider becoming a part of the Patreon for this show 
which you can get to through the orange support us on Patreon button at nhte.net or take no money out of your pocket at all and still give me some financial relief by clicking on the tall Amazon banner on nhte.net whenever you go buy something from them and they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me at no extra cost to you. Even if you use their app and not their website, go to nhte.net anyway and click on the tall Amazon banner and it will open the Amazon app on your phone for you. Michael, I want to talk about the music on Toontrek. How difficult is it to come up with a song about a place that you're just starting to learn about? Like, when do you start writing those songs? How how long does it take you to write it? Do you write it after maybe you visited the place? Yeah, that's a good question, too. That's been an evolution as well. The The first bunch of episodes I was filming, I just performed songs that I'd already written at those locations ah. and so, and tried to figure out which one felt the best while I was there. Or, uh, you know, in post, went back and, and listened and looked and were like, okay, that one seems to work the best with the story of this place. And then, like I mentioned earlier, Canon did this documentary and I decided that I needed to, I needed to up, up the game a little bit and I mm-hmm. needed to start writing a song for each location. And it was a really interesting and challenging process for me. Uh, as a writer, we all have different ways that we write and what inspires us. And sometimes you know what it is and sometimes you don't. It just sort of comes out of the ether. And in this case, my inspiration was reading about the history of this location that I'm going to visit, mm-hmm. such as the Monroe House uh, in Oberlin, Ohio. I'm, I'm just reading about it. And often the, the historian will send me a lot of information about the location. Mm. And so I'll start getting inspiration from reading the history and thinking about it and letting it percolate in my brain. Like I said earlier, sometimes things will come out at the strangest places, driving or in the shower or whatever. And so sometimes words or phrases will just start poking out as I'm reading all the history. And it's it's been a really interesting way for me to write where the story's already there. It's It's not me sort of trying to create a story for a song the 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 story is there and i just need to figure out my take on it my Mm -hmm. angle how am i keeping this fresh and interesting for me what's my perspective is it first person that i'm writing is it third person am i am i writing from the perspective of of the house or the location that i'm at so in, in for example for for the monroe house the monroe house everybody that lived in this house were were strong proponents for racial equality and gender equality and they all they all were really going out and and making this happen and 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 so i i thought about it's the people yes but what if it was this house too what if there was something imbued in this house that was inspiring equality and so once I sort of got that idea, that was a lyric right there. This place inspires equality mm. and everything else kind of fell into place. So it's been it's been a different way for me to write. And as a as a result, I think, you know, you listen to a song like Star and then you listen to a song that I wrote for the K-Bar Knife Factory. And it's still me, but you hear it's it's kind of a different slightly different vibe to it and it's been it's opened up a a different sort of chapter or facet for me as a writer and again this is about sort of breaking out of your comfort zone and 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 trying to constantly challenge yourself to grow and to learn and to add to your vocabulary as a musician as a writer as an artist whatever you do Yeah, what I like about it all is that if you consider, well, wait a minute, we've talked a lot on this show about the old model used to be you go into the studio, you record an album, you go out on tour to promote that album, then you come back, you take a month off, and then it's wash, rinse, repeat. Now we're in this sort of singles-driven industry where, again, it's still sort of the same thing. You're sitting down and saying, okay, I have to write something new and record something new for the sake of having something new. So I'm doing the same thing everybody else is and just kind of following that same schedule of going to, you know, write, go into the studio, record it, release it, promote it, go out and perform it, go back and write something else. And with you, 
it's no, I don't really have to follow that pattern because now I'm writing, it's almost like you're scoring a movie. It's like, no, I'm going to be releasing new original Michael Paris stuff, solo Michael Paris music, but I'm not doing it in the traditional sense of, hey man, when's your next album coming out? When's your next EP coming out? It's Everything is driven by tune trucks. So I love this whole originality of the way that these original songs are being born from this thing. Awesome. Yeah. Because you don't have to sit around wondering like, man, it has been a while since I've put out some stuff. Like I need to just put out an album because people are just going to like give up on me. It's like, no, I am doing new music. It's just not the way that you're used to looking for it. Right. Exactly. I, yeah, I, I get into these cycles where I kind of go dark for a little bit as far as the public or social is concerned. It's just so much pressure and I can't, I can't live with that kind of pressure every week, every day. And I understand the idea of content, content, content. But for me, I think it's okay to just be, I'm dark for a little while. And then I've got this, this huge mass of content that's going to come out. And then I'm going to go dark for a little bit. I'm going to release all this content and it's on my own terms and I'm not feeling the pressure. I'm not. And, and I guess it's, it's maybe a little different when, if this was the only thing I was doing, if Trek was the only way that I was supporting myself, then I, I might, I might be thinking about it a little differently, yep. but because I am fortunate and thankful every day that I have this amazing quote unquote job for the past 14 years with this incredible band, it's, it's not, it's not like I'm, yeah, like I said, relying on tune trick at this moment yeah. for my well-being yeah. you know it's something that i can afford to go dark for a little bit and yeah. then release all this content and unfortunately i've been a little dark for longer than i wanted because i was you know you mentioned the, that it's aired on a couple pbs stations and for a while that looked like it might be a distribution means for me it was a national pbs distribution network and that was talked about and negotiated for a couple years and I decided that I, you know, I, if I'm going to release stuff, I may as well do it with a network behind me, as opposed to just trying to do it by myself. Yeah. And then things change and evolve, and 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 that didn't come to fruition. And I was like, all right, well, now I'm going to start just releasing myself on in my on my own means, my own terms. But wait a second, now I have an opportunity to do this pilot. Let me let me do this pilot. <laughs> and oh, now I'm going to start shopping and okay well now i'm going to start shopping the pilot around so i still don't want to if i'm releasing episodes that a network is going to want to release then it's it should be through the network that people see it for the first time that's that's kind of how i feel yeah well we're in the home stretch here uh just a couple final questions i do want to talk a little oar now i saw something from this past summer were y'all the house band on live with kelly and ryan kelly ripa and ryan seacrest for their fourth of july show it's true. That was fun. It, it's not the first time that the band has sort of been a house band. Uh, we did this concert for Dreams uh, at Radio City uh, l- last year and a half ago, I guess. And it was a benefit. And we were the house band for that as well, where guest artists would come up and we learned a lot of songs hmm. from a different bunch of different artists. And the band kind of realized that this was something that the band can do and and we have the um, ability and the focus to and, and the discipline to be that type of band as well so the kelly and ryan thing came to the table and we're like yeah well the band's band's done this so we're we're okay with that and it was it was a lot of fun it was i i, I always love being in those environments that i'm not in all the time as far as like a television studio because i'm just watching half the time as well just observing and like how how, how do they do all this you and know? for you since you live in new york and that show is filmed in new york it's like yeah i'll do that it's right in my backyard sure what time do i need to be there <laughs> exactly yeah it was easy i wish i didn't have to be there at 6 a.m but that's okay <laughs> it's it's worth it and i can i can bite the bullet for one day of getting go. up that early there you go. but it was it was amazing <laughs> it was a lot of fun and you know, I hope that the band does more of those things. Cool. Listeners, between last week's episode and now, I have received details about the event that I'll be speaking at in April in Las Vegas, including 
which hotel they'll be putting me up at. So if you've been listening to the last, say, half dozen episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment, you know that that means that I ran right to Access Vegas to see what they might have about that hotel. The editor of Access Vegas says that October is the best time of year to go out there, but even though I have no control over the dates, I might contact him anyway to see what he can tell me about April there. He has all kinds of insider info that he shares, and you can get it in your inbox by heading to nhte.net and clicking on the Access Vegas logo, and then use the promo code BRUCE to get $5 off when you sign up. Some of the tips I've alluded to on the last handful of episodes of this show barely even scratch the surface. There's that much to read and learn in each issue. So benefit from all their years out there and the insights they have. Remember, you even get access to back issues to archives also. So start at nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and then when you go sign up for it, use the promo code BRUCE to get $5 off. Michael, on September 7, an OAR live recording was done, and pre-orders are now being accepted for a 4LP vinyl edition. Talk about that show, that recording. Yes, that was that was amazing. We're talking the, the show that was recorded at Merriweather Post Pavilion right. in Maryland. And that was something that the band had been thinking about doing a, a live record for a while had been a little bit of time before the last one and Merriweather and Maryland has has a lot of meaning to the band and it's it's close to where uh, a lot of the guys grew up and they they had just done complete renovations on Merriweather Post Pavilion and it, and it's just absolutely absolutely beautiful so it just seemed like a really good fit for the band to record their next live record and the timing of it was really really great too because we were in the zone we had just done a whole summer tour so you know our chops and our our vibe of playing together was at the top of the game mm. and you know just like all the live records the band really spent some time thinking about the set list and what hasn't been recorded in a live fashion and the band released a new record this past year as well the mighty and and let's try and incorporate as many of those new songs in the live record as well because as as we know you know live versions often are a little different sure. from the recorded version sure. and it's for a lot of different reasons why a live version might be different it's not necessarily better it's just different mm -hmm. you interpret the recording and the studio work and you make it work in a live setting so we got to play I believe nine, nine out of the 10 new songs from the new record, which is kind of a, a rarity, I think, for the band to, to be playing. And we were consistently playing almost the whole record for the whole summer, mm. which was so rewarding and, and happy for me. So I'm super excited about this live recording. The video and the, the, the cameras, uh, we had a lot of great coverage across the stage. Everybody Everybody had a lot of amazing moments, and we played, I think we played as well as we played on any other live record. So I'm really excited about it. I'm excited for people to hear all the songs. And I have a couple, you know, I have a couple little piano moments there where I, where I shine. I get, to, I get to stick out a little bit. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was amazing. The crowd was amazing. Andrew McMahon was there at the show with us, and American Authors were there at the show with us. And it was just an incredible musical coming together um for for all of those reasons nice nice yeah well we're going to close today with another song of yours you actually mentioned the title of this at one point as we've been talking a song called k-bar before we let you go tell the listeners all about this song please interesting yes k-bar knife factory i met the owner john stitt when the band did one of the cruises that we did over the past bunch of years ah. and we, we sort of connected and I told him about this idea that I was having. It was at the beginning of this house trek idea and he loved it. And K bar is a company that's based out of Olean, New York. It's a, it's an American company and they're, um, they're partnered with Cutco. And I thought that going to a place that it wasn't necessarily about the historic place, but it was about the historic item. Mm. 
It was about this mm. story of, you know, 1898, these two guys that they wanted to make a blade that was sharper and better than anybody else. And they started <laughs> off with like sh- shaving um, razors. And then it they got their break in World War II where everybody and all the armed services people pretty much had K-bar knives as part of their gear, as part of their equipment. So I wanted to go and tell the story about this knife and, and this company and how how do I do that when it's not necessarily about the location? So I decided, you know what, let me follow the creation of one of these knives. Now, you know, as John would say in the episode, they, they used to do things a little differently back in the day. And now things are a little more automated or, or machines are doing maybe a little bit more now than used to. Mm-hmm. But it was exciting for me because it was also one of the first episodes where I wanted to incorporate the sounds of the machinery that's making these knives or, you know, when the gentleman is taking the knife and honing it on this circular sander and all the sparks are flying and, and the sound of it on this machine being blanked from a sheet of metal and they blank out the basic design. And, and I wanted to incorporate these machine sounds as part of the rhythmic texture, like the backbeat as, Mm. as if it was a drum set. Wow but it was created from all these sounds of the knife being made on all these different wow. machines. So it was really the first time I, I incorporated that. You'll hear it in the mix. What I also wanted to do was also have studio versions of the songs that I record uh. at each location. So in this case, the K-Bar song that you're going to hear is the studio version, but it's still incorporating the sounds that I got from all the machinery. Okay. And it's basically telling the story about about K-Bar and how Very this cool. company got started and how these knives are made. And it was a it was a really wonderful experience. And, and it's in it, it's incredible. Only in New York. It's in the Enchanted Mountains. It's a beautiful place to be uh, for this company where they're making these these knives for, you know, cool. over 100 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All good stuff. Michael, really great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks. This has been just terrific. And listeners, I do hope that you're going to go and support Michael and look for Tune Trek and everything. I'll give you all the plugs again in just a minute. But Michael, thanks so much for making time. Really enjoyed this. As did I. And make sure that everybody knows that you know, my artist spelling is Mike L. Paris, all one word, too, because that can get a little confusing, but that's okay. I guess it's like one of those subject <laughs> matters where people aren't exactly sure. But yeah, Mike yeah. L. Paris, all one word. Yeah, look at the title of this episode and your listening device listeners for the proper spelling of his name. So that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, musician, filmmaker, Michael Paris. Visit his official website at michaelparis.com, like he just said, M-I-K-E-L for the spelling of his first name. But I will put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then once you land on his site, do also look for his social media links and then go like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel and watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell Michael you heard him and his music and now hear this entertainment, even if you're hearing this interview three months after it came out. Remember to also check out the website tunetrek.org to see more about his show. Engage with the social media for that too. And then follow Michael on Spotify, but purchase downloads of his music from iTunes. Incidentally, liveoar.com is the band's website where you can see upcoming tour dates. Michael makes original music as well as episodes of Toon Trek, and this show is what I create. A new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment every week is my new release. I do hope that you'll consider supporting it and helping me continue this show by becoming a part of the Patreon which you can see more about by going to nhte.net and clicking on the orange Support Us on Patreon button. Whatever amount you feel comfortable at that you can afford, I would appreciate it. And it will also tell me that you find value in what I do put out every week. You might also consider starting any and all of your Amazon shopping by going to nhte.net and clicking on the tall Amazon banner so that it will open their app on your phone or their website on your computer and then kicking back a small percentage of the purchase to me at no extra cost to you. So you still end up helping me with the cost that I have for this show anyway, 
without having had to take it directly out of your pocket to give it to me. Let Amazon do that instead. For now, that will do it for episode 299. We'll send you out with another song from Michael Paris. This is the one he just talked about. It's called K-Bar. Sharper and the finest hilts that I had ever saw.